So are y'all praying about the rapture? Are y'all even praying about it? I've had a lot of thoughts on this lately, and I've had a lot of thoughts I've been thinking about. And I want to talk about the great snatch, the return of Jesus, or the snatch. And I'm not, I don't want to talk about it from the point of scaring you into submission. The rapture could take place any moment. You better get ready. That's not my point. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's imminent in the next few years. I, I don't. But I have a different motive, and I want, I want to share this with you right now because I think it's time for you and I to focus. And I believe the rapture is the next big event. And I think that we will see it. And I'm going to start off. Let me read my verse, and I'm going to tell you how I, where I came to all this crazy sermon of mine. I think you'll enjoy it. It says, chapter 3, verse 1, If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I really believe that right now we as Christians need to it's not that we're not in the earth and things are not happening around us. I think that it's time for us to focus on his return. And I, and I think that Jesus said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. In other words, while he was going to the cross, he had you on his mind. He knew that the end of what he was doing was going to be worth this. And I think he endured that. And I thank God that he did. And I think often, and I told the early church this, when I'm going to give you a secret to taking children on a vacation. You all know the secret? Anytime we would take the boys anywhere, when we'd get in the van, they would say, are we there yet? We hadn't even got out of the driveway yet. We're like, guys, we're going to snowshoe, and it's like 11, 14 hours, whatever it is. Depends on whether I'm driving or Lisa. And um, I made her get rid of her Mustang. Y'all realize why? I think she's a high rider, you know. So. so anyway, we would always give them a picture of where they're going. Y'all want to go skiing? Yes. Get in the van. So at least they have a mental image that's going to settle them down for a while. Because they know there's going to be a drive, but it'll be worth it. And I think sometimes we need a mental image in our head of where we're headed. Jesus is returning. And I've sat back and I've looked at the earth today and I'm thinking, what will it really be like? I'm excited. I mean, I'm kind of like Disney everywhere. I mean, in other words, people are going to actually manicure in their hedges and mowing their grass. And I think, I, think, I think the earth is going to reflect it. And I think that it's going to be nice going to Publix without someone screaming at you to put a mask in. <laughs> Uh, and I, I'm gonna tell you all a story that I didn't tell the first service, but I gotta tell you this story because people are just mad. They're just mad. I mean, I'm in Publix yesterday, and I went in there because I had to get some eggs and, and some um, whipping cream. I like whipping cream in my coffee, not cream. I want to whip, you know. And so I went in to get some whipping cream, and I pull up. You know, one of those places that you s scan your own food. Well, there's four of them, and then there's a lady standing beside one, and she's finished. And the man in the next one, his cart was blocking. And she couldn't get out. And so I, I just said, do you need a little help? And she didn't say anything. And so I walked around her and I said, would, can we move your buggy? This lady would like to go by. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. He was very kind. And I moved it. And I turned her and I said, there you go, young lady. 
very threatening. <laughs> and she, she, she took her cart and she walked around and right in Publix, she dressed me down. Screaming at the top of her lungs, I am not a young lady. And I'm thinking, do you think, you know, maybe this is one of the girls, maybe she thinks she's a, I don't know. And, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm thinking, I, that's, and I, and I just walked up to her and I said, what would you like for me to call you? And I was very, very kind. It was rare, but I was kind. And, um, and she's, I mean, she's screaming. Everybody in public has stopped. And I'm standing there. And finally she went out and another man came up and says, why didn't you call her a big fat bee? And I'm like, whoa, dude, you know. And I, I mean, I got my mask on and left and I thought, God, am I carrying? I mean, what is going on? It's like the whole world is mad. I mean, I'm even actually trying to be nice, and they're mad at me. I'm thinking, I've got to get out here with my life. So um, I, I said all that just to, to say it. I didn't. And I, and I walked out, and I went, come. Whoever has doubts and go, don't come right now. I'm not. So I want to, I want to cover that, and I want, I want to tell you how this began. Because I've always been concerned about when. You know, when, when do you think this will happen? And I've had all these ideas. Until I was eating lunch with Tom Copeland, and uh, he called me up and says, I want to take you out on your birthday. Well, the, his birthday is September 20th, and mine's 21st. And he's a day older now. <laughs> no, he's not. He's 81. He just turned 81. Well, while we're eating at 2J's, he said, he told me a story that I never heard before. He said, you know, when we were at Ramah, and, and we were talking about the second coming of Jesus. He says, I've never told anyone what I'm going to tell you right now. He said, we were at Ramah, and we were sitting in class, and I'm learning the faith message. And he says, and I, had a, I, I turned to the Lord, and I said, I'm really bothered by the fact that I'm starting this so late in life. He was like in his late 40s, early 50s when he went to Ramah. And he says, and, he, and pointing to me, not being smart or ugly to me, he just said, people like Daryl, have their whole life. I was in my 20s. He said, um, he said, people like Daryl have their whole life to preach this. And, I, and I, I won't get to preach it as much as him. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and says, you have just as much time to preach this as he does. And, I, and Tom said, whoa. Because he's raised Church of God, and all his life in church, they're always talking about the rapture could happen any minute. But he said it kind of dawned on him, maybe, maybe I'll be alive. He's 81. Everybody say, whoa. Yeah. So then, then I went back on YouTube because I watched something, and I'm going to give you a name for the ones of you that love the YouTube stuff. And the guy's name is Carl Gallup. He's a pastor in Florida. Years ago, when I was studying the rapture, trying to learn more about it, I came across this guy that, um, and I think he's a word man because he said he was in a convention in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which would have probably put him in Matt Cammon's church. And the way he talked, he's a faith and word guy. But he told the story about him having a dream of the rapture. And he, he said he just, 
was standing in the field. He had a stream, and he was standing in the field, and he was looking at the stars, and just the vast amount of stars, and worshiping God. He said his wife was there, his kids were there, his family was there with him. And, and all of the sudden, everything went into hyperdrive like on Star Wars. He said it looked like Star Wars. All of a sudden, I went, whoa! And he says, all of a sudden, there was blurs of light went by me. He said, I could hear people behind me screaming. And he says, and I realized, and I turned to my wife, and, and we looked at each other, and she was smiling, and I was smiling. There was no fear. And we knew we were being raptured. And he said, and all of a sudden, the two of us and my son stepped in to heaven. And we saw the flowers, and we saw, and he, he went on. Y'all can watch it on YouTube. I don't have time to go into it. But he said, he said, I believe that I had a dream of the rapture. He said, it was so sacred, I never told him about it. He said, one day, and he says, it was a, many, many years later. He says, one day, he says, he just sat down and told his wife. He said, I, I, I want to tell you something, and I've never told you, because I, I always thought you'd think I was a little crazy. But the Lord showed me a dream of the rapture. And his wife said, have you talked to your son about this? And he goes, no. She said, you need to. So they called him in, and she told her son, his son, tell your dad the dream you had. Had the same dream. Exactly the same dream. I mean, detailed. The lights, the people, the screaming, everything. And, um, and he says, whoa. So his son goes, Dad, God gave me the same dream. All right, long story short. He was in Minneapolis, and uh, the only people that ever heard him say that is his son and his wife and him. He never shared it with anybody. The Lord had been trying to get him to share it, but he thought, I don't want to be a kook. You know, YouTube's full of kooks. And, and so there's a girl that came up. And she was in the line to buy books, and she was looking at him, and she started crying profusely. And she turned around and left. And uh, he thought, what's with this girl? And a little while later, she came back, and he said, sweetheart, come here. What's wrong? What's, it? what's with you? And he thought, you know, she's going to talk about uh, something in her life, something like that. And she said, I came in the meeting, and I've had a dream. And, and the day I had the dream, it scared me. And it's a real dream. It's real. She said, and, um, and she told her dream, but she didn't go. She was left. And then when I walked in this meeting, the Lord spoke to me. Or she said, God spoke to me and said, you go talk to that man right there. He'll explain your dream. And so she comes up and she says, I have a dream. And he's like, well, I don't interpret dreams. And when she told him the dream, exactly the same dream but she was left behind and he looked at her and said I can help you she says what do I do he says let's get born again and he led her to the Lord okay and that's when he that's when it dawned on him maybe I should share this all right he's 70 something I said all that to tell you how old he is he's not a baby he's not young he's older now so I'm asking the question is it Imminent? How close is this thing? Is it time for you and I to start thinking a little bit more about it? Especially Colossians says that we should begin 
thinking about things ahead and planning. Are you and I planning? I'm not sure that we are. I don't think American Christians are really sitting back and taking seriously the time you live in. Now, I got a, um, I'm still a boy. And if you don't believe me, ask Lisa. She calls me one of the boys. Now, one of the reasons she does that is because I still act like a kid. But I've always been quite the romanticist. Now, I, I, I have a crazy imagination. I want to own a time machine. <laughs> have you all ever thought about it? I mean, I've actually gotten seriously about having the box and dialing in. Come on, y'all. Don't sit there and look at me. You're, you're making me feel like an idiot right now. I mean, I really want to do this and put in a date. I want to go to the Revolutionary War. I want, to, I want to be there the day the first shots fired. Who, who did it? <laughs> and you know, there's, there's times, and I want to go to the Jordan River and watch them baptize Jesus, but they really, somebody's got to be there and speaks English. But, but I'm that way. I really want, I, there's, there's pieces of history. I, I wish that I lived, well, I don't know if I want to live that time, but wouldn't that be cool for God to let you go watch Jesus preach? Would that? Somebody wake up this morning, go get some coffee. Wouldn't you like to watch the Sermon on the Mount and watch the, 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 the Mad Madagadera? I mean, I just that would be so, the flood. I, I, when when y'all get to heaven, come to my mansion. I'm going to get the DVD of the flood. I want to see this thing. It says that the fountains broke up from the deep. In other words, water came up and ran. And, and, and then I want to see David. Saul has killed thousands. It's David 10,000. There ain't no movie on the earth. I want to see Goliath. I want take them out rewind that one more time so but we're living in a time right now that even the saints of old wish they were here and we're here and we're watching the what's the Jesus is coming back and we're going to be here when we're gone. I mean, it's going to be like, out of here, baby. This is awesome. And I just wish we could rewind it and do it two or three times. I've got to tell you all something about don't ever get on the roller coaster in Jamaica. It might feel like the rapture at first, but you'll feel like you're going to hell before you get to the bottom of that thing. I'm going to tell you right now. And there's no brakes on it. Which Lisa informed me halfway down the mountain that they didn't work. And I was looking for a chiropractor when I got down. But anyway, that's, that's, that was pretty close to the rapture, but, but it was, don't want to do that again. But anyway, aren't, doesn't that cite you just a little bit that we're actually living and watching this and going, where will we be? When will it happen? I'm just like, yeah. Well, we don't know. 
but it's cool to think about. And I, I, I think about, you know, am, am I going too deep for y'all? Do, do, is, am I the only kid in the room? Okay, I got one more. I got one more. It's just, I know, I know you think I'm crazy, but it's all right. This is not the first time you thought that. Do y'all remember the story in um, the, the 23 minutes in hell where the guy went down in hell? And I'm not talking about that story because I'm not going down there to even check it out. I don't want to. But you remember when Jesus said to him, you've always liked outer space. So he took him out there like Superman. He was flying. Millennial rain? No delta. <laughs> Don't y'all? I've always wondered if you get bugs in your teeth. <laughs> you know. This is too much for y'all. I got to. But, but to me, I'm just thinking, you know, if he's flying, are we going to get to fly? I'll be, I'll be 30. <laughs> I'm looking forward to some stuff. Next scripture. Philippians 3.12. Let's pop it on the screen. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of what Christ Jesus lay hold of me. Look at verse 13. Brethren, I don't count myself to apprehended one thing I do. I forget the things that are behind, and I'm going to reach forward Amen. to the things that are ahead of me. I think it's time for you and I to begin to press and to reach forward instead of just being here. Let's look at another one. Pop it on the screen. Daniel 4.34. I'm just going to pop them on the screen. You don't have to go in your Bible because I'm going to move along pretty quick here. It says, at the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar had gone crazy because of pride. But I want you to read this. It says, and my understanding returned when I lifted my eyes. I think that if you want to keep your mind, you might want to look up. Instead of looking around. You, know, we can, you can look around right now and like the woman in Publix, I'm going, are you insane? Are you something, you know? so, um, so if we're looking around, I think that right now, I think we need to be concerned. But I think it's time for us to start looking up. If you want to be like Nebuchadnezzar and have your mind stay intact, yeah, let's do it. Let's look at another one real quick. Acts 1.10. And while they steadfastly looked toward heaven... Uh, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, and who said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here gazing into heaven? The same Jesus who's taken up is going to return in like manner as he went up into heaven. So we understand that he actually is coming up, and the Bible says, Look up for your redemption draws nine. So we understand that looking up is positive. And I think it's time for the church to start preparing and getting ready for the day. All right, now, I'm, now go to Hebrews 9, 27. As it is appointed for men to die once, and after that, the judgment. Don't let that scare you. For Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, 
To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin. Say apart from sin. All right, we're going to talk about the Bema seat, but I want you to understand the Bema seat is called the judgment seat, but it's not about sin. Say sin's dealt with. Say it again. I want you to get comfortable with my sermon. Say sin has been dealt with. All right, so the judgment seat of Christ is not where you're going to stand before God and give an account of your sins. Your sins were laid on Jesus. So when it says judgment seat, what exactly? It's the word bema. The word bema means a platform or theater. All right, now let's go there. 2 Corinthians 5. Let's go over there. And now I'm going to open my Bible to it and I want to read to you. 5, 9. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat or the bema seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, good or bad. Now that almost sounds a little scary, good or bad. Now we're not talking about sin here, but we are talking about the fact that he says we're going to give an account. That means that he's going to open books and he's going to check what you did with your life. And I want you to understand, God is very interested in what you do with your life. Now, I use this illustration. Let's pretend, and let's talk to you men in here who own businesses. It's okay to be a businessman. Did y'all know that? Not everybody needs to be a preacher. There doesn't need to be a mini preacher. We need more businessmen because we need more money. Okay. But But the men in here that are businessmen... If they, if they had a request and they're hiring people, it's very important that you hire good people, yes, honest people, faithful people. Yes. Folks, the people you hire make you or break you. Right. Now, I'm going to tell you my story for just a minute because I think it's apropos. Jesus is going to talk in a few minutes. We're going to talk about the fact that he used a parable of business. People, um, what they did with their money. And he's talking about the, the standing before the Lord. But when I got born again, I, I got a job. God got me a job at CertainTeed. Hadn't been working in a while. I was on unemployment. And I prayed for a job. And God got me a job. And I don't know why he sent me to a fiberglass plant. Because I thought, you really should have, couldn't you pick something a little better? But I think he liked to see me squirm. So, so I get this job. And, and, they, and I get hired. And my first day is second shift, 4 o'clock. And I remembered going in, and, and my name was on the card, and I remembered hitting the time clock. And y'all know what time it was? It was 4 o'clock. My new boss walked up to me, and his first words to me was, Morgan, you're late. And my first words to him were, no, I'm not. And I, I got in a fight with my new boss the first minute I'm hired. Yeah, not good. Yeah, not good. Thank you. And he said, and so I said, it's 4 o'clock, I'm on time. And I just, I mean, this is kind of the old Daryl, the old man. And after I punched my clock and he walked away, the Lord said, you're late. And then he gave me, he read a, the riot act to me. He said, you asked me. To help you get a job. You asked me to get you a job. You asked me to help you. And I have gotten you a job. And I said you are late. 
from this day forward, you work for me. And I'm going to give you a scripture. You work as unto the Lord. I want you here early. I want you working late. You do not look at a clock. A 10-minute break is a 10-minute break. And by the way, shut up. And I went, I love you too. (laughs) Best advice I've ever gotten in my life. He's a daddy to me now. From that day forward, from that day forward, I never missed a day at work. I always showed up for work 15, 20 minutes early, clocked in early and went to work, though not on the time clock. I worked late. I worked hard. I worked as unto the Lord. And, um, and the boss, Mike Nacera, the owner of the company, came out one day. They moved me from the bagger to the roll-up machine on the end. That's where all the fiberglass is hitting me in the face. There was a two-man job down there with two girls on the bagger. They realized I worked hard, so they took the other guy away. Oh, Lord. It's no air conditioning in this place. You're sweating and fiberglass is sticking to your body. And the Lord said, I want you to have a good attitude. Help me, Jesus. (laughs) So I'm back there running this roll-up machine, and I'm taking these things, stacking them off. These two girls are bagging them. And I do this for eight hours a night except two 10-minute breaks and a 30-minute lunch. And that's life. But I'm working as under the Lord. Mike Nacera, the owner, I didn't know who he was at first, came by, leaning over the rail, and he's watching me one night. And I'm just, I'm going at it. And, and, and so a few times there's a girl named Martha and something else. I don't know the other girl's name. And um, I would look at them and I'd say, would you like to get some water? And they'd go, oh, yeah. I'd say, well, I'm going to run your bagger and my roll-up. For about two minutes, run. And they would run to get water, and I did mine and their job. Because I'm taking care of them. And now this, the, the manager's watching me. And so he, I, he, calls me, he calls me over, and he says, why do you work so hard? And I, and I wasn't being a smart aleck, honestly. I, I, if I, if I, now I would answer him a little different. But I said, well, I don't really work for you. And he goes, well, who do you work for? Because it looks to me like you're working for me. I said, well, when I got this job, I'm a Christian. I said, I just got born again. I said, the Lord told me to work as unto him, so I'm just trying to do a job that pleases God. He goes, I don't know who you're working for, but you're doing a good job. (laughs) And so he leaves, and then he goes and finds another manager, and he says, whatever he wants in this plant, you give it to him. And they came in, and they said, the the owner of the, the manager of the company said, if you'd like off this machine, I said, oh, help me, Jesus, get me off this machine. <laughs> and they took me, and they took me to the warehouse and where I'm going to load trucks. And I meet my new supervisor. His name is Buck. And he looks like Popeye. Little short guy with a little, little blonde-headed crew cut. And he hears that I'm like the, 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 the owner, the manager of the, the company's pet, whatever. I, I wasn't trying to be, but he heard how I got out there. And he looked at me and said, Morgan, three and a half trucks or you're fired. Every, every day the sun comes up, you will load three and a half trucks. I said, okay. And when I turned around, the Lord said, four. Ouch. Really? <laughs> and I did it. I did it. I mean, for over a year, I loaded four trucks 
two, one truck every two hours. I loaded it and pulled my little walker out and went to another one. And, and, and it wasn't long before Mike Nacera came out again. And he says, we need someone to work in the tool crib. And you have no seniority. But I have pulled some strings. And whoever knows the most about the tool crib, regardless of seniority, will get this job. What do you know about tools? I said, nothing. <laughs> he said, come in at night. We will train you. Handpicked. Train me to run a tool crib. When we took the test, I knew the name of every tool, the commodity numbers on stuff. I knew everything about it. No one in the whole plant knew what I knew. But they didn't know they had pulled me off. Say favor. favor. Why are they doing this? Because favor and I'm working. But bosses want employees that work. Do you think Jesus does? Do you think the way you live is important? I want you to know something. We're going to step into the millennial reign, and there's going to be a Bama seat. And that Bama seat, see whether, let me say it this way. This life is a test. God's watching us. What are you doing with what I have given to you? Are you spending it on you? Or are you serving? Are you walking in love? Are you obeying? Got a bad attitude or a good attitude? All of those things are a big deal to God. Don't go quiet on me. Y'all are doing good. See, are you ready? Am I, I don't think I'm ready for the rapture right now. I, I have some things I'm working on in me. I want to know when I go, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get out of here. All right. 1 Thessalonians 4, let me just put it on the screen, I don't want to go through my Bible. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the Baptist will go first. Oh, that actually says Catholics, I'm sorry. No, it doesn't, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. It says the dead in Christ will go first. I was joking with a Catholic priest here in Apopka one day. And I was having lunch with him, and, I, and I, I need, I've actually matured. But I did do what I'm going to tell you. I looked at him, and I said, I'm really jealous that you're going to go to heaven before me. And he goes, well, thank you. But why do you think that? And I said, well, the Bible says dead in Christ, go first. Of course, he looked at me like, that was mean. And I said, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. I really wasn't. No, I am. I am. I'm serious. But I don't do that kind of stuff anymore because I've, I've been reading my love scriptures. And I, <laughs> I'm being serious. I am being serious. I do read the love scriptures all the time. And I'm still on love is patient and kind. And there's a new one in there. I'm stuck on it. Hardly notices when others do it wrong. And I'm... I'm I got all four wheels stuck right there, right now, hardly noticing. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm actually like when I was in Publix. I, I was smiling. You're crazy. I, I was. I was nice. 
All right. Daniel 9. Go over there. Now we get to the nitty-gritty. There's a... So I've always been curious at when this is going to happen. And, I, and I'm really... I study it a lot. Because I don't trust everybody who calls himself a prophet. There's so many YouTube prophets out there and preachers and everybody... Everybody disagrees with everybody and everybody has. And so I want to know, I'm reading my own Bible. I thought that might be a good idea. Just read your own Bible. Find out yourself. So here's a scripture that I found. And it's always been one of those scriptures that has really helped me. Now I told you to go to 26. But I want to read 24. Just hold with me. This is a passage of scripture where Daniel has an angel come and talk to him. And I want to read to you what he says to Daniel. He said, 70 weeks are determined for your people. You want to put that on the screen? You can. 70 weeks are determined for your people and your holy city. Now, what he just said here is that in time, there's only 70 weeks left for the Jewish nation. Now think about that for a second. He told Daniel, there's 70 weeks for you. Now, let me read this. To finish transgression, make an end to sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. That's 483 years. Okay, I did the math. All right. And the street will be built and the wall even in troublous times. Verse, now, now to verse 26. After 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off. That's 434 years from the time that the angel talked to Daniel. That is the exact time that Jesus rose from the dead and died on the cross. Now, the, many Jews knew this. Now, I want you to think about this, because this is something that we didn't know. Remember in Acts, he said, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They knew there was seven years of Jewish time left. That's why they thought Jesus would return in their day. What they did not know, nor did anyone else, that God was going to end Jewish time and begin Gentile time. No, I, nobody knew it. That's why when you read things in the Bible, you, you know, there's a lot of supposition going on, but God doesn't tell you everything. You, we're going to do our best, but you don't know everything. I don't know everything. You don't either. Even the guys on TV don't know everything. So what we know, I'm going to read this to you because I want you to see this. After 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come, that's the Antichrist, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end of it shall be with a flood until the war and desolations are determined, and he, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many for a week. There is seven years of Jewish time left. Now, that means, and I'm going to show you another scripture just now. Am I boring, y'all? 
I want you to get this. I want you all to get this. Because I want you to start making sense of something. I believe that the Ezekiel 38 war is the beginning of Jewish time. Because they can't build the temple back until the, until the Arabs are gone. And the Arabs aren't going to be gone until there's a war and they just kick them out. They kick them out now. They're in a, there's going to be a fight and the world's going to be... But when, but when, the, when Russia and Syria... And Iraq, Iran, 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 Turkey, Turkey and who else, Justin? Lebanon. Lebanon. And, and, and where are they? They're all posed. Now, what y'all didn't know is the peace deal that just happened had to happen. And here's why it happened. The Arab nations are afraid of Iran. And they, they don't want to fight Iran alone. So now what we say, we think Trump made a peace deal, but everything, God is lining everything up for a war that will end Gentile time. Say wow. Say it backwards. Say it upside down. All right. All right. <laughs> Is this exciting? Because I get into all this. I'm at home going, y'all don't realize I spend like 24, 30 hours just for a one-hour sermon. That's why you should come. (laughs) Okay, because I'm working my tail off just to do what I do. Okay, okay. Luke 21, 24. Just pop it on screen. I want you to see this. So you won't think I'm crazy. And they will fall by the edge of the sword, talking about the Jews, and they'll be led away captive, they did, into all nations, the Jews did, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until, when? The time of the Gentiles. It's, it's trampled by Gentiles now. Arabs are Gentiles. So are we. So are Americans. Anybody non-Jewish is a Gentile. And, they, and they, have, they hold the Temple Mount, and it's being trampled by Gentiles right this minute. That has to change. And we're talking about, well, they're going to build the temple back. They're not going to build the temple back until Ezekiel 38 war. And what we're watching is like, soon and very soon. All right. So how long do we have? I, I, I don't know, but I'm watching is Israel news more than American news. At least I can trust half of it. I was in a restaurant the other day, and I was watching the news, and I'm like, are y'all crazy? All right, no, that's enough of that. All right, I don't, I don't have time to get into this. Ezekiel 38, 8 and 9. That's talking about the war. Okay, Luke 19. Go to Luke 19. Are y'all enjoying this? Am I boring you? I don't want to bore you, but if I am, just, you know, say yes, amen. Be kind. Luke 19. All right. Mm. Verse 17. Well, let's read 16. And, and he came to the first and said, Master, your mina earned ten minas. And he said, Well done, good serpent, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came and said, Master, your mina earned five minas. Likewise, he said, You will be over five cities. And another came and says, Master, here's your mina. And I took it and put it in a handkerchief. I never did anything with it. All right. When we talk about the Bama seat, let's go back to it for a minute. How many of you were, were the kind of students 
that in school you studied hard. We got one, two, Che. Look at look at Che over there. Let me let me tell you about Che. Not Ashley. Ashley, keep your hand down. Okay, let's talk about Che for a minute. This is I'm trying to I'm trying to show you something about the about about the Bama seat. During the summer, I would catch Che in a room studying. And I go, What are you doing? I wanna make sure that when I start school, I'm ahead of everybody. Hey, Summer, go play. She's always been studious, and she still is today. I mean, she's on top of her game. I did not. That's why I Google. How do you spell this word? <laughs> Honestly, I just, I, and I'm not proud of it. I goofed off way, but I'm so smart, I could do it. Thank you, darling. Okay. But, but honestly, I look back now and I go, you know, I really wished I had paid attention. And I, I squandered a time that I should have been paying attention. Okay, and I'm going to tell you another story now. It's the story of me. Um, many of you know that I enjoyed shooting competition pistol. And for a year... I dominated for a year until it dawned on me that I, this is more important to me than pastoring. I'm being honest with you. Because if you're going to win, you're going to give it everything you've got. And it dawned on me, you got to quit. And I did. I just laid the pistol down. And then I went back three months later and shot a competition. I didn't do so good. Because it's a perishable skill. And I'm sitting in the audience and people I normally smoke are up there getting awards. And I'm sitting there going, this sucks. I mean, I could have just stayed backslidden for three more months. I wasn't backslidden, but y'all know what I'm talking about. And I'm watching people get awards and they didn't even say hi to me. I, I came in, sat and went home. And I had a thought. I won't do this in the during the millennial reign. I'm not sitting out here and no one ever calls my name. That, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that, that nobody hurt me. The feeling of, oh, shoot. I mean, this, this is embarrassing. And there, and there will be people. So Jesse Duplantis, his book, Going to Heaven, he said when he got to heaven, there were two kinds of people there, those with robes and those with gowns. Garment of salvation and robes of righteousness. And so he asked the angel, he said, I mean, those with the white glistening robes, I mean, they're just like walking right in the throne room. And he said, oh, those are people who have earned the right to walk in. And he said, well, what about all these people? And it, they had a white robe, but it was kind of no adornment, just plain. I mean, we're, I mean I'm going to be glad I'm there. I'm, gonna, I'm glad I'm not in hell. So I won't, there are no sad people in heaven walking around. There aren't any. But, but he said they had to like, it took them a while 
because they spiritually weren't ready to just walk in and they couldn't go in when they wanted to. Yeah, it's really a, quite a deal. And so I'm reading this and I'm going, hmm, okay. I actually study how to do my job. And I don't think that I'm always doing a good job. I don't. I leave, some, I, I leave church sometimes and go, I wouldn't come to your church if I was you. <laughs> I mean, I really, I really watch what I do and how I preach and how I say things. And I don't always like me. And I always think, you know, you can, you, you can, you can do better than this. You really ought to do better than you're doing. Amen? I, I kind of think that we all ought to have an attitude. Am I slacking? I had a season in my life, and it wasn't when I was shooting, but I actually got tired of always reading, always praying, always being up. I just want to have a bad day, too. I think I'll just go to the mountains and backslide for a while and just go hunting. And I'm not showing up, and I'm not telling anybody I left. I'm, I'm an, uh, am I the only one that ever had this thought? It's like, ah, 30-something years. Can I leave too? You know. And so, so, you know, and yet at the same time, when the Lord said start the Bible school, the reason it took me a year, because do you want the added work? I just doubled my workload and nobody changed my paycheck at all. Are y'all out there? That was my struggle. Do you? And I mean, I'm like, no. Because whenever Lisa and everybody went to Mark Hankins, I'm here. And then you know what's flipped me over? There's people need this. I will not stand before God and hear, well, you're done. <laughs> I want to hear, well done. Yeah, I, I, I want to I, I know that I did what he, I have a window. And you know when you get, I'm 67 now and I know I don't look it. Don't say older. But you know, when you get older, you're like, can we slow up? I really have had these thoughts. Can I slow down a little bit? I mean, I've, I've been to 20 nations. I've raised people from the dead. I've preached in churches in Russia. I've taken a train all the way through Siberia and preached town after town after town. Move of God. I, I have rocked the planet. And I'm, I kind of would like to just... <sighs> And the Lord is going, no, you're not. And so this scripture right here has been a great help to me thinking, well, I'm going to run my race and we'll finish my course. And yes, Father, I'll do this. Now, I'm asking you because we live in the greatest nation on the earth. And I think American Christians are some of the sloppiest people I've ever met. And we have more. Does that offend you? 
I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm limiting how much I say to you where I call you stupid. That's one of my new things I'm working on. But I watched a thing the other day, and I showed it Wednesday night in, in China, where people can go to jail for preaching. And many of them have been to jail. And Iran people are getting beheaded. And we got Christians that can't even come when it's legal. And I'm a little disappointed in us. And I say us because I consider myself a part of this American establishment. We've gotten, we have the Bible and where is it? You can get it anywhere. I mean, I can get Mark Hankins on my phone and a CD and a DVD and, a, and Kenneth Hagin and Lester Summerall. And we still have people that don't know anything. Don't shout me down. Let's go. Let's go. Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Amen. Amen. Let me read a couple more. Um, let me read one. Do, do you have the right attitude? Yes, sir. Are you keeping a good attitude? Yes, sir. You're gonna, we're going to be judged. That's, you're gonna, we're going to answer to God for attitude. Yes. Um, am I in my place? Yes, I am. See, any, anybody can do ministry, but is it what the Lord told you to do? I'm going to tell you another story. I had a Ramograd, and I'm going to call him a Ramograd because I don't want you to think it's a Karis or a river guy. I came to this church years ago. Walked in my office, says, Pastor, I got a call, God, on my life. I said, okay. He says, do you have anything I can do? I says, get in the sound booth. I need someone. He was in that sound booth a short time. Very short. And he came out of it one day, and he walked up and read the riot act. I got a call of God on my life, and I don't want to be stuck in no dead burn sound booth. I said, okay. And he says, and he left. He never came back. I want to, let me share something with you. If you can't be faithful in a sound booth, you, do you really think God's going to use you anywhere? He's not. And, and, and when someone comes to me and says, I'm a Bible school student, I go, help me, Jesus. Because your knowledge doesn't mean squat. I want to know whether you can be faithful. Can I? If you say you're going to do it, are you going to do it? Or am I going to get a phone call Saturday night that your relatives came to town and you won't be here? And we got to scramble to find someone to take your place. Are you all out there? Did you go home? And then the rapture is going to take place and you're going to be sitting on the corner going, well, I worked in the church. Yeah, but not very well. Are you faithful with your money? Are you faithful with your time? Not all of your time is yours. I want to talk one day about how to tithe time. You should tithe time. Tithing money is one thing, but man, I mean, my God, can we have a few hours? God would like to just use you sometimes. Amen. 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 Aren't you glad we're not going to hell? Amen. I think I, I'm not sure if I read that scripture. How am I doing for time? Whoo, I got 18 minutes. I can get in the next week's sermon. 
Just kidding. First Corinthians 3, turn over there and I think we'll slow down. I didn't say stop. Well, y'all are lively. Lord, I want to keep them another hour, if I may. Now, this is a powerful scripture. I think I've got another scripture, too, I'm going to read to you. I think you need to hear this. 1 Corinthians 3.10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, a wise master builder, I laid the foundation and other builds on it. Let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it'll be revealed by fire. And the test, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built endures, he will receive a reward. Thank you. I love you. You go, girl. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved as though by fire. Say, thank God we're not going to hell. Okay, and I want to scare you like, well, I'm going to tell him if I don't get to busy in the church, I'm going to hell. I didn't say that. But it is very important what you do after you get saved. It's not okay just to, I'm a Christian. All right. Now, let's look at a couple more scriptures real quick. Ephesians 6, 8. Just pop it on the screen. I want to read a couple of them, then I'm going to read out John G. Lake's book. 6, 8. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or a free. God has a record of everything you do. Nothing good you have ever done goes unnoticed. Isn't that good? Makes you want to go, hmm, I think I want to take the pastor out to eat. That's what I would think. Just out of the abundance of my heart and my mouth speaks. Okay. Let's look at another one. Or your wife. Or when's the last time you just did something for someone else for no reason other than do it? That, you have no idea how fun that is. Just find somebody and go, I just wanted to be a blessing to you. Because that's rare. That's rare. But I'm thinking, angel, write it down. I washed the dishes for Lisa. Write that down. And then when she got home from Colorado, she goes, the floor's dirty. And I went, I washed the dishes. I cleaned the counter. She went, not very well. I went, I cleaned the counter. I took the trash out. She said, the floor's dirty. I went. No, I didn't sweep the floor. I forgot. All right. I'm telling on myself, aren't I? Matthew 16, 27. Now, little children, abide in him, and when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. I think there's going to be Christians that are going to go, oh, crap. <laughs> I didn't do nothing with my life. Amen. Thank God we're making heaven. Okay. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And I'll wait for the other ones. Lisa says this to me every morning, Hebrews. Therefore, we, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
let's lay aside every weight, not talking about sin, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and run with endurance the race that's set before us. In other words, there's something you got to get accomplished while you're on this earth. And let's, let's make sure you know what that is. Now, I want to read something from a book that has impacted my life, and then I'm going to turn this over to either Justin or Lisa. I have this book, John G. Lake's book, and I've read this before, and i got to tell you, I've never been able to get away from this story. And I want to read it to you. And I pray it has the same impact on you that it did me. It says, and it's a vision he had um, May 1920 in Portland, Oregon. He, when he says he, he's referring to himself. He could not sleep, so he walked in the shadows of the tall trees in Mount Tabor Park. Through the park, there is a footpath coming down through the tree that leads out in the street where we live. And in my vision, I was seemingly out in the street at the foot of the footpath. And as I looked in the park, I was attracted by quite a brilliant light far up in the park. Very slowly coming down the pathway to the street. And I stood somewhat surprised, supposing it was a nightman on duty in the park, probably searching for something or someone. As it approached, I discovered that instead it was an angel, and the brilliance illuminated around him, and he stood a few feet from me, and he said, I have come to answer your prayer. Come with me. He said three wreaths, black, pink, and white. He dropped one in San Francisco. He dropped one in Honolulu. Now, you understand 1920, we have no idea what's going on in the world at that time. I don't, I don't know either. Through great suffering, through much tribulation, these have conquered. China, a man, a European, was lying on the ground. Close by lay his wife. On one side of her was a boy, seven or eight, and the other side a girl, ten or twelve. He turned to me, and the angel said, These have given their all for the Lord and his kingdom. He took a white wreath, and he held it in his hands. Tears fell on the wreath, and each tear turned into a diamond. And it was covered by diamonds, and he dropped the wreath, and it lit by the head of the dead missionary. Trans-Siberian Railway to Moscow and Petrograd. You understand 1920. He explained the state of suffering of those under Soviet rule. Some scenes were so pitiable, my own soul was moved to tears. He said, the dragon, the great red dragon, the hater of Jesus, the enthroner of the human beast, he will come to his end, and none will help him. I wanted to ask about Africa, but I was restrained by the demeanor of the angel. Only limited questions were permitted, and some he didn't consider worthy of an answer. Johannesburg, South Africa. The heart of Jesus was once gladdened through the glory, the grace, the power of God manifested here. Human pride, formalism, lack of faith has brought disappointment to the heart of him who we love. But the glory will return, the tried and true. Those who have suffered and labored and prayed will be rewarded, but all self-seekers will be dethroned. India. He couldn't comprehend the soul struggle of certain elements. And the angel said, the present struggle is not a struggle to attain the knowledge of Jesus or to even know his salvation. It is rather an endeavor to enthrone the heathen ideal of human efficiency. Palestine. You realize there was an Israel at the time. Palestine. He has made a, the conscious of the enmity between the Arabs and the Jews. And the angel said, the kingdom must first be in the hearts of men. Portland, the church in Portland, that's his church. To my amazement on approaching the building high in the atmosphere, 
a half a mile more, I discerned millions of demons organized like a modern army. They were apparently acted as shock troops. They would charge with great ferocity, followed by a wave and another wave and another wave. This reminds me of America. After a little while, I observed they were operating a resistance influence that kind of constituted a barrier through which they could not force themselves. With all the ingenuity of a human at war, the multitude of demons seemed to endeavor to break the barrier and go further, but they were utterly restrained. In amazement, I said to the angel, what does this mean? He said, such is the care of God for those who strive in unselfishness for his best. Is this important? It is very important. I, th I think what I'm trying to show us is we're in a war, and there is a war in America. And I think what we do and what we do, don't do right now is very, very important. And I think we need to be very settled on who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. I discerned the heart of the angel, and I was overburdened and answered the angel. He said, human selfishness and human pride have consumed and dissipated the glory and the heavenly power as God gave it from heaven to the movement you have beheld tonight. We were now at the footpath again, and I took a step or two away, and in a sort of despair, my heart began to cry. I said, Angel, these are all struggling for want of an ideal. What constitutes real Pentecost? What ideal should be held before the minds of men, the will of God exhibited through a movement like this? During that time, I had carried my Bible in my hand, and the angel reached for my Bible and opened to the book of Acts. He ran his finger down the second page, the the portion where the Spirit of God came from heaven. And he proceeded through the book of Acts, his great revelations and phenomenon, and he said, this is Pentecost as God gave it through the heart of Jesus. Strive for this. Contend for this. Teach the people to pray for this. This and this alone will meet the necessity of the human heart. This alone has the power to overcome the forces of darkness. And as the angel was departing, he said, pray, pray, pray. Teach your people to pray. Prayer and prayer alone, much prayer, persistent prayer, is the entrance to the heart of God. White wreath is his best. Second is second best. And black is for all who fail in the fight. Amen. Um, I think it's, I'm, I'm, I'm asking that we as a church be conscious of the time we're in. The world needs the church. They need us. I, I, I enjoy pastoring, but I'd like to see this church be a lot more um, uh, on fire. And I think it won't happen until we realize there's a price you're going to pay to be the Christian you need to be. And that's all I'm saying. And I'm going to ask you to look forward in time to the time you'll stand before God. Because I don't believe that I will pay the price or any of us. There are rewards. There is a day when I have to answer to God. I'm very aware of that day. I, I want to be ready. I'm going to ask you, would you be ready to meet Jesus? When? I don't know. I think as a born-again Christian, the world needs us. 
We need to be on our game. Church as it's being done today is not the answer. We need a whole lot more God the Holy Ghost. Now I'm going to make a reference to something. We have Barbara Neff in here. Is Betty here? Betty May. How many people here were here in the shopping center? Debbie, Barbara, Bobby. Do y'all remember how strong the anointing would get in this church? I want to go back. I'm asking. I don't think that the is going to work. I think we've all gotten a little lazy. Don't shout me down. Huh? Yes. That's my, I've said that in every competition I've ever shot. Are y'all ready to pray? I'm not, I told the Lord the other day, I said, I refuse to preach in a way. I want the people in this church to make their own decisions. You'll never hear me push you to do anything. But I'm going to give you the word. And we'll let you make up your own mind what you're going to do with it. It was a very big deal for me to say, I'm going to start the Bible school. I'm like, Mary Fran prophesied to me and says, you need to start it. And honestly, I probably study 15 hours, 20 hours a week for just those three hours. I'm preaching five times a week now. And all the rest of the stuff I'm still doing, including mowing the grass and sweeping the floor. So, well, not sweeping the floor. Washing the dishes. I didn't sweep the floor. I'm not just asking this church, but I'm praying for the American church now. We need a move of God. These kids on the street, Jesus loves them. I think our days of being mad at people over it. Jesus loves them. He'll take care of them. But they need Jesus. They need this. And the, the, the average church now is not reaching them. And they're not going to get reached without a real genuine move of God. That means there may be adjustments we're going to make. So I'm going to pray and let you do as you want to. But I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Amen. Father God, right now I just... I preached a message today, I, I believe, is, the, is your heart. Father, I preached last Wednesday night on, on walking with Father. Yeah. And how our fellowship with you is so important. Now we're talking about the fact that one day we'll actually stand before you and give an account of our life. I'm asking that I be ready. I'm asking that all of us in this room be ready. I think many of us need to make adjustments and start catering to the fact that that's actually going to happen and we're actually going to stand there and how are we going to stack up are we going to make A's, B's or big flat F I pray that everybody in, my, in this room right now find their place find out what you're saying and pay the price be willing to pay the price to walk with you this is necessary now it's not okay to keep doing church the way we do it or life in America the way we're doing it. We're in a war. Amen. We've got people trying to overthrow a whole nation and steal our Christianity away. I don't think we're, I don't think we're ta- paying attention, but we need to be. We need to be. Prayer, 
is we're going to have to up it, Father. We're going to have to start getting, we're going to have to start spending a lot more time in prayer. We're going to have to start spending a lot more time with you. And we're going to have to start praying prayers like, where do you really want me? Not just doing what I want to do all the time. I pray over this church. I want to see your return to a very strong move of God. And I pray that this church would be ready when people start walking in to get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and healed. That they're ready for what you're asking us to do. And I pray that when the rapture takes place, every one of us in this room will be ready to go. Somebody take them out and get them a stake. There's a scripture in Hebrews that says that the earthly temple that Moses built was a shadow of the heavenly one. It's interesting in how the Bible will say that there is a lot of similarities between heaven and earth and how the churches ran. Like he's saying, I don't think it's going to be much different. People think you're going to go to heaven and eat Snickers and sit on a cloud. I just, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a lot of similarities of how things are done now. And like he said, the rewards. And, you know, me, I'm not happy with... Um, I'm not happy with my giving. I, you know, I hang around Pastor Mark, and, and he gives half a, half a million dollars every six months to, to the gospel. I, I hadn't even got to 100000 yet, and I'm not ready to go until, until I do some more things. There's some things on my heart, and, and, you know, there's times I'll be buying gun parts and buying guitars and toys, and the Lord will say, you know, how about this week give, give to a missionary? I'm like, oh, yes, Lord, yeah. You know, th- think about eternity. Your life's going to be very short. I'm 30 already. Just the other day I was like this, but it goes quick. And what you do now will be remembered for, forever. And I think a lot of people aren't thinking that way. They think, oh, we're just going to hang out and then hopefully, you know, get to heaven and things are going to be great. I, I think we need to think more serious about that. Are you happy with the way your life is now for that to be on record for forever? I'm not. I want to take more people out to dinner and, and buy their lunch. I want to give more things away. I want to spend more time in prayer. I want to spend more time just reaching out to people. And I think that, you know, maybe we all just smart start with small goals. Maybe it's not, you know, oh, I'm going to go work in the church and lay my life down. No, like he said, do what God asks you to do. If he's, the Lord said, start a business, start a business. And that business is going to support a church or missionary, then do it. But you're going to answer, we're all going to answer. And I think that there's so much more that we want to do and that I want to do. And But, you know, the first step is, is if you have never accepted Jesus, you're going to make Jesus Lord. And then the second thing is, is you're going to pray and ask the Father what his will is, his perfect will, because only you're going to answer for that. If I can have my altar team stand up, those who are ready to pray, maybe this morning you say, I'm not sure if I've um, accepted Jesus. Well, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, that you'll be saved. Even Satan believes in Jesus. That's not enough. Jesus has to be Lord. Two, maybe you want prayer for something in your life. Maybe you want someone to uh, hook up and get an agreement. Never take that lightly. Never take the power of agreement. Where two are gathered in my name, ask anything. So maybe the Lord is leading you to do that. Come up, get prayer. Maybe it's you want to ask in the Lord for his will. Come up, let somebody with faith hook up with you and pray with you. And um, for whatever it is that you need. And, um, and let's start really seriously thinking about this is going to be over quick. The Bible says your life is but a vapor. Man, I'm not, I, there's so much more I want to do for the Lord. And, and it's going to be and it's going to be written forever, and that, that kind of scares me. <laughs> but let's all bow our head and pray this. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died and rose again 
and went to the cross for me. I confess him as Lord. And I pray that I'll be ready at his return. I thank you that I'll do your perfect will. And I'll reap the maximum reward that you've set out for me to do. And I pray that I would be more aware from this day forward of eternity. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.